Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, my guest is Amanda Malco, and she is the CMO of a company I've been a huge fan of for quite some time, and that is G2. Previously known as G2 Crowd, you may know it, and it helps with reviews. You could say, if I were to ever leave a review, it would be a positive one of this company. I think that they are solving at such an interesting intersect in the market. And that word intersect really weaves into what Amanda and I talk about today. And that is the need to bring teams together. When you look at G2 and what they do, there's a lot of different parties or a lot of different sides of the marketplaces we may think about it. You've got reviewers, you've got customers, you've got the companies that need to be reviewed. And pulling together the different teams that have to coordinate that is not an easy task. Amanda gives us some really good specific tactical, which she's a big fan of being tactical and showing how it gets done. She's got a tactical plan for you of how to bring teams together. This is everything from talking about the framework of V2Mom, if you've never heard of, down to the type of buyer journey map that you can have different stakeholders in your organization from both marketing, engineering, product, all rally around so that you put the best foot forward with your buyers. In her case, regardless of buyers coming from different segments, I've been thinking that if she can get this done, you'll be able to take learnings from this and get it done in your organization. So without further ado, here's my chat with Amanda. Amanda, really excited for you to be here. I'm a big fan of G2, and we're going to talk about G2 and how you landed this gig. But the part I'm really curious about, your first job, very few people title themselves sales and marketing in general, let alone back in 2004. Which one was it? Were you a salesperson or a marketer? I was truly both. Uh, (laughs) It was an interesting time. I was employee number 13 at a marketing tech startup in the video game space. Yes, in 2004. And I was hired to be the first salesperson, Uh, but we had no marketing. And so I de facto, to be a good salesperson, you need great marketing too. And so I ended up doing both. I sold our first deals. I wrote our first proposal and pitch. uh, I created our first materials and I ended up being the first full-time marketer, eventually sort of gravitated my way towards that. And then the company went on to be acquired by Microsoft, and I sort of found my my fit, I guess you could say. I was very lucky early on to have such a great kind of formative experience. That's it. I mean, first of all, getting acquired by Microsoft gives the legitimacy to what you probably helped pave there. But it's funny, I think back to my first job, which was only a few years prior to yours, and I took a job title because the title was field marketing rep, which I thought was marketing. And then I learned pretty quickly that that's essentially sales, but it helped me understand how to be a better marketer to your point. Now, I'm curious though, what, what about marketing has always pulled you in, in your career? Well, I think it's probably the intersection of selling and persuading people on value in a way that's really empathetic and creative. And so I find 
I love the creativity of marketing, but at the end of the day, I want to win and I want to grow company and revenue in a way that provides value to the customer. And I think there's just something beautiful about great marketing that can blend that art of creative persuasion, if you will, with real tangible business results. So you used that word twice. I, I clued into it the first time, persuasion. And let's kind of use that to weave into what G2 does. For people who don't know G2, where you're now the CMO, I mean, this is this is a big company. Uh, over 3,200 customers, uh, 2 million reviews is like around the corner for your team, which is an, probably an amazing milestone. I've been a big fan of the platform a long time. What won you over about joining there as CMO? Well, I think it's hard not to be familiar with G2 if you're in software, or even adjacent to B2B. Anybody who's looking for software or has spent time marketing software is familiar with G2. And I think the chance to work for a company that I certainly had respected so much and I thought had really created such a great platform to democratize anyone trying to create a great software company or business today was really compelling. Uh, and certainly as someone who I believe no one tells your story better than your customer. And that's true, whether you're a B2B marketer, B2C or in any industry. And I think frankly, it's just time for that to be more prevalent in the way we market in B2B. So how did they sell you on G2 or how did you gain the courage? Because as you said, like no marketer doesn't know this brand right now. I'm sure you used them when you were head of partner programs at Intuit or other opportunities in your career. Was this something you were gunning for or was it something that was presented to you? They approached me and I actually had, I think my son was five or six months old when they approached me and I was like, I, I don't know. I've just had a baby. I'm like coming back from maternity and but honestly, after talking with our CEO, Godard, and the executive team here, it just seemed like one of those opportunities that I couldn't pass up. But obviously, I was a huge fan of the company. And uh, as soon as I met the team, it felt like an opportunity I couldn't say no to. I'm a big proponent of what I think is a Jeff, I think Jeff Bezos maybe articulated this first. I've heard different stories on who it was, but the regret minimization framework is a really helpful framework for making important life decisions. And it's because uh, usually like you're torn between choices, especially if you're fortunate to have a lot of career opportunities, you know, which thing are you going to regret more? And for me, I felt like I would, it was a really tough choice because I loved my team and where I was, but I felt like it was an opportunity I would regret if I didn't try and go work for this team. So first off, I, I appreciate you sharing and, you know, that's obviously such a hard time having your kid who's only six months old taking on this big challenge. But professionally, what was some of the bigger challenges that you were going to have to prepare yourself for? I mean, this was not your first CMO gig, but a company like G2, if I'm to think about it, almost has more sides to the marketing than a yeah. traditional B2B company. Uh, you know, you could argue it's a marketplace with various different stakeholders. Uh, and we hit on some of those in terms of the 3,200 customers, you know, the reviewers, you know, the software buyers. I mean, there's so many people. What was the most overwhelming segment of that for you? Well, I will say, I'm so glad you brought that up because it was actually one of the things that attracted me to the job 
was the fact that it it is hard to have multiple sides to your business that all have to basically work together very well for you to succeed. You want to make sure you're attracting the right kind of buyers, providing sufficient value that they come back, and then ultimately, you know, monetizing them and providing value to the software companies who want to reach them. That's fairly complex. It might be as complex as it gets. It's also an incredible opportunity to build a brand that can provide tremendous value to all sides of an ecosystem, which is a rare opportunity. The thing that's most daunting, I think, for any marketplace, because as soon as I got here, and I'd spent time at marketplaces, but I wanted to learn from companies who have built incredibly valuable ones like Airbnb and Uber. And I spent time with some of the marketers at those marketplaces was understanding what was going to be the most difficult. And it is always the intersection of those two is what I learned. It's how do you create flywheels that truly leverage one to connect with the other so that every time we get another review or another software buyer coming to the platform, we're able to capitalize on that in a way that helps all of the software companies that benefit from our platform as well. And so creating those sort of growth loops is oftentimes what they're referred to as is one of the more interesting, but also challenging dynamics. And so I pretty quickly came in and said, okay, we got to figure out how these things work together really well. So it's interesting. I mean, you're hitting on the various elements of the marketplace of the stakeholders outside of your organization and how you bring them together. I'm also curious in terms of the internal stakeholders, because I would imagine that there's temptation at times to segment internally and say, okay, well, this group's going to work on, you know, getting customers on board. This group's going to work on getting reviewers. But just as you talked about that flywheel, how do you keep people internally connected while also focused on so many different moving pieces? It's a great question. I think one of the things that we have done that I think a lot, I mean, I have from the process that we have here at G2 is we, we use a framework that Salesforce uh, created called the V2 Mom to do all of our planning. Love it. We use it at Uberflip. It's like OKRs for those who may not be familiar with the V2 Mom, but it really goes through and helps. We start at the company level. So what are the things that we need to achieve this year? And then we cascade that across teams. And we always have you know, methods is the M in the V2 mom, and we are the first M. And we always have methods in the second M measures for both our buyers and our sellers. And we make sure that the role that product marketing and sales play in those is very clear as we cascade those. So my team is going to focus on unique methods for each of those. And we're going to make sure the way we do that is in lockstep with the product organization. And so I do think that the planning process becomes really important when you've got these different groups and so many personas. First of all, great advice. And we'll make sure to give listeners a little bit more about where to find information about V2Mom. So stay tuned and I'll, I'll hit on that in a segue to come. But I, I'm curious, you know, with G2 in general, and, I, and I, as I said, I've been a fan for a long time. I remember when it was G2 Crowd, uh, which almost feels so long ago. I know. <laughs> I feel like that's a different company in my mind. But I, I remember when they bought the G2.com domain and I was like, all right, this is, this is going to be legit. I mean, a, a two-letter domain.com big aspirations. Paint the story that you have to create in the market now as the CMO of this organization. And how is that, you know, something that you get people to buy into when they join you on your team being the CMO? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the story of G2 is really a story about how are we going to buy today? And I think increasingly we're going to buy by leveraging the voice of our peers and people that we trust. And we're going to do this in a way that is frictionless self-discovery. And that's true whether you're buying something on Amazon or you're buying an expensive piece of software. And so I think historically in B2B, we are making very considered expensive decisions oftentimes. And we're increasingly doing it in a way that looks more like how we make big, important decisions like buying, you know, a car or a computer in our personal lives. And so I think the opportunity to build something that is truly the most trusted brand in B2B that everyone can look to and say, this is how I'm going to inform and make my business buying decisions is a huge opportunity. And it's really needed in the market. And so I think our opportunity is to be that trusted source of information in B2B. And uh, I, I think we're well on our way, but we certainly have a lot of work to do to get there. Well, listen, we're, we're going to take a quick break here, Amanda, but we'll be back and we'll hit a little bit on ways that people can think about leveraging customer voice in the mix of their go-to-market strategies right after this quick break. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. absolutely love that Amanda highlighted V2Mom. I'm a big fan of this framework. As I mentioned, we use it at Uberflip and anyone can use it because Salesforce made it available. If you Google V2Mom and Trailblazer, which is their learning platform, you'll get all the tips of how to roll this out, what the whole acronym stands for. I'm not going to waste time on that right now, but more so the idea of how you pull a team together. And I think this is really important. Whether you use a framework like OKRs or V2Mom, it helps companies scale. There's a great book that goes with this. Not that it's the focus of it, but Behind the Cloud from Mark Benny, I've talked about how Salesforce owned a market. And I think that's what we need to do. We need a vision for what we need to do in the short term to win. V2Mom is that. It's not about your long-term vision exclusively. It's what teams have to do and rally and pull together in a defined amount of time to win. Check it out. Check out that Trailblazer location. Check out Behind the Cloud and definitely make sure your team is united. So Amanda, I, I have more questions for you about how you bring your team together because I, when I was CMO at Uberflip, I even remember that at times it felt like the demand team was its own team and then the content team's its own team and the product marketing team is one. And, you know, on some of our ENPS surveys, we'd have people say, you know, we're not one marketing team, right? And we had to fix that and we, and we found ways to do so. But, but talk to me how you do that at a company at the size and scale 
of G2, which I believe is over 700 employees and 40 marketers alone. Yeah, it is hard to do, especially when you're a multi-persona marketplace as we are. One of the things that I had done at MailChimp and that we have also done here at G2 is actually an exercise that can connect both the marketing teams to each other, but also to product design and engineering teams, which oftentimes in software companies can become even more fragmented and siloed and present some real challenges in your go-to-market and revenue engine. So one of the things we did at MailChimp was we actually created a buyer journey map that everybody contributed to, to say, what is that ideal experience for our customer from the time that they're discovering our product to learning about our product, which by the way, happens before they ever decide to buy it. So education starts early. What's the buying experience look like? The onboarding flow really complete all the way to the end and get everybody to provide input and perspective um, based on their, their unique role within the company. We also created experience themes. Um, so five core principles that should be reflected in everything from the customer service experience. And we actually brought support agents in to provide inputs on this through to the design and UX and certainly the marketing and even the language we use. Flash forward to G2, and we've applied a similar approach, especially within um, our sales and marketing organization. We actually had someone secret shopper us and show us what the experience looks like from their perspective of trying to claim a profile on G2 or set one up to talking to someone in sales, to going through that onboarding experience. And we learned a tremendous amount that, you know, it's easy to kind of point fingers and say, well, this handoff isn't working. But when you stop the handoffs and you get everybody to take a step back and look at the experience holistically from a customer's perspective, it's really unifying about what we're all here to do. So that's what we've tried to instill here. I have so many questions. A lot of them are tactical, so I apologize. But but I think people are going to be envious of how you're doing this. Because if, if you can do it at G2 with all these complexities, I think anyone can probably learn from this. So one is you talked about having this uh, buyer journey map. And I'm curious, where does that live? Is that you know something as simple as a spreadsheet? How do you make sure that everyone can contribute, but also not that everyone can mess with it? It's a great question. So I don't know that we probably figured it out perfectly here at G2. I think it's a journey for us on our journey. But and so we haven't necessarily said this person owns it. What what we have is we have um, someone on our customer market. She leads customer marketing here who actually worked with our revenue organization and mapped it out with them. And so it was less about like, okay, don't mess with it, but more about how can we get an accurate reflection of what we all collectively think the experience is today? And she actually mapped out what do we think it should look like? So where are those gaps between what we deliver when someone becomes a customer today versus what it should look like? And we did a similar thing on the pre-sale side where um, we actually workshopped it with product, BDR, and our rev org, and then our marketing team. And so it's a living, breathing document. And it's sort of like, I don't know, maybe we should mess with it if it's not, if someone has an idea on how we can do it better. And so it's brought all kinds of very tactical, but critical things like when someone claims a profile, how long should it take to hear from someone? And what does that look like? Because it's not completely automated because we want to make sure there's verification in our system. And so really tactical, like how long should it take? And can we support that from an operational standpoint? Yeah, those types of SLAs are so key to ensuring all stakeholders in these different groups. And it sounds like you're doing a fantastic job getting 
buy-in and perspective from all these groups, especially that secret chopper. I love, I love that little, so little, you need that. I mean, it hurts, but it, it's good to hear those things. So the, the other part of, of your first walk through there was getting everyone aligned. And, and I'm curious how you've managed to present this to the people who weren't part of the exercise so that people understand the outcome or the goal. Is that baked into the V2MOM framework that you talked about earlier? Or is there some sort of town hall at G2 where you can present this and rally the troops? Great question. So we have actually one of the groups just presented their latest work on that, this part, one particular part of the journey, which is pre-sale to our SLT so that they could share an update on the work they're making together as a team and presented very cross-functionally, which is, they did such a great job with it. Um, and we've come a long way. And so, yeah, we, we use all forums. We use our town halls. We have an all hands every month. And we also have department meetings where I go and present. And so does my team to our revenue organization and, you know, vice versa. So we try and be, you know, pick the right forum. But I think the most important thing is that we share it out, that there is a vision and we're all working on it together. It's not, I want to eliminate handoffs. There's no such thing because to the customer, it's just G2. I love that. I, I, I also like just, your point there that the team is presenting to the senior leadership team as opposed to the SLTs coming up and saying, this is the way we're going to do things. I, I think we yeah. see that in too many companies where everyone's waiting for, you know, the tablets to be presented. Here's, here's the path, follow me versus empowering them to come up with their own, uh, you know, buyer journey map in, in your case. I'm wondering if you can give us a specific learning that was presented to the SLT. You know, you can keep it high level, but you know, what is one of those tangible changes that you've made in your go-to-market that you wouldn't have come to without everyone on board? I think we all instinctively know that speed matters uh, to customers. So when you reach out and you want information, you want to get your profile approved, but there's real operational implications to immediacy. You know, there's people that you have to staff and schedule. There's queues of people wanting help that you have to get through. And so one real tangible change is a commitment to SLAs to make sure people are having a great, fast experience with us um, and that we're willing to actually make the organizational changes, including investments and in people that we need to make to, to adhere to those. Um, I think that if we had just tried to say, this is the way it should be done, here's how much we need, it would not I don't know that we would have gotten everybody on board for something that was so cross-functional and required real effort and time and money to make it work. Um, but when you see what the end state could look like and the value it can bring to the business it, and that all the teams are aligned, it really helps. Really interesting. So we've, we've got a couple of minutes left here before we take a break. And I wanted to shift the conversation a bit to an area that I'm just personally curious in terms of how G2 is positioning itself versus other ways to get thought leadership to understand what's trending in the market. And, you know, as, as someone who's been in the CMO seat before, my board would always pressure me more for analyst perspective versus sometimes my customer's perspective, which is crazy, but we all know, and you've been in that seat, that's, that's the perspective that they sometimes want to go and pay for. How do you view the role of G2 compared to the role of an analyst? Do you think that it's one or the other, or do you think it's more of a, we need all? 
Well, I think as a marketer, I will tell you that in some circles, the analyst role still has weight and has influence. And so you shouldn't be ignoring that if that's true for your particular space, your industry, maybe the if you're an enterprise company or selling to enterprises, that, that could be true. I do think that it's not what it used to be in terms of its prevalence, particularly for younger buyers or, or industries that are more fast growing and emerging, because oftentimes the analysts their role is not to pick up on the latest and greatest categories quickly. It's to really kind of understand maybe more traditional, established and mature industries. So I think the role of G2 is really helping people understand how the market is changing in a way that's very agile in the same way that software is, and it's changing quickly. We add categories every quarter, and our analysts have a very deep and nuanced perspective on the way that those particular categories are fragmenting, consolidating in some cases, and changing. Um, and I think that's really the power of G2 and the power of customer voice no one's going to tell you the market better and faster than the customers who are spending money in it. Um, and so I believe that's incredibly powerful. And I will just say I did have a customer who told me that she's a new CMO at a software company. And she told me that in her first board meeting, the very first question that they asked her was, how do you feel like you're doing on G2? Interesting. I like that. That's great. So I have a quick follow-up question to this before, before we take our, our break here. And that is, you know, the ownership and, and who you're selling to ultimately. And what I've seen in a, you know, a lot of organizations, including my own, and I've only started to think about this coming into this podcast today, is that analyst relationship is often owned by product marketing, where I've seen a lot of G2 relationships owned more in customer marketing. You, you just said customer voice. Do you think that that, you know, creates this element of, of balancing both? versus I'm going to choose one or, or the other? Or are you seeing a shift in product marketers also coming to the table to say, I want to invest in G2 just as much as the customer marketing org? We definitely see product marketers who take an interest in, in G2 and in some cases own the relationship. So that is very prevalent that a product marketing team would be the one to own the relationship. Um, it tends to be product marketing or customer marketing. Now, we also have demand gen marketers who love our data. And so one of the beauty, beauties of G2 is that there really is pretty complete value to a marketing team, whether it's in advocacy, customer voice, and testimonials, all the way through to your demand gen motion. So I, my hope is that more product marketers, if you're not already looking at G2, will, because I will tell you, it is a tremendous asset for product marketers to really understand their positioning and also the market through the lens of G2. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, usually I don't like letting our guests talk too much about the products that they have, but I think this is so integral to the type of strategy and the you know understanding, as you said, of both positioning and customer voice at the same time. It's important to unpack those those various elements for any marketer who's tuning in. Amanda, we're going to take one more break as, I, as I've teased here. We'll be back. We've got some rapid fire questions for you right after this break. I couldn't help but ask Amanda her opinion on the role that G2 plays compared to analysts. And that's because I have a personal story here. Early days for Uberflip, we were struggling to get any analysts, the foresters of the world, the gardeners of the world, to cover the category that we had coined being content experience. Now, I remember going to the CMO at the time, his name was Ryan, before Amanda was part of the team, and saying, how can we work with you to redefine the perspective of content marketing? 
Now, the part I want to push everyone on is to understand that a platform like G2, just as they're open to peer reviews, they're also very open to company perspective. And we were able to go and we were able to work with them. I think the key to us getting them to lean in was we didn't just look at what was broken with content marketing. We helped them break it out, not just for our purposes, but to help them understand the difference between content creation, content experience, content distribution, content analytics. And from there, we're born these various different grids, which is G2's language. The point here is lean into these platforms that are willing to listen. They're willing to listen to the market. They're willing to listen to you. For us, it was a huge step forward in category creation. Amanda, this is already a great episode. So much to take away in terms of how you got into G2, how you're thinking about bringing teams together. We're going to bring the whole podcast though together with a few rapid fire questions. My first one for you, when you think of that next CMO, the person maybe on your team or listening to this podcast, aspiring to get to this level, what is the best path there today? Is it going really deep or is it being more of a generalist in marketing? I think you can do both and make it to CMO. Learn how to lead people who are have expertise you don't and take on opportunities that you think are big, hairy, audacious ones and add a lot of business value. That's great advice. I, you know what? I, I really respect also how you gave that, that admission that coming into this role, you reached out to people at Airbnb and other marketplaces to, to understand and learn. And I think to your point, if, if we have gaps, we can fill them often with the people around us without feeling like we're, we're going to be held to knowing every single detail. We didn't talk too much about content today, which, you know, is, is almost like so rare for me, but I, I think we did at the same time because we talked about aligning everyone and getting everyone on the same page. But when you think of more traditional content marketing, you know, what content is resonating for you these days? What gets you to click? I am a big fan of tactical, educational how-tos and playbooks. I don't need more frameworks. I mean, they're helpful to a point or like high level, like have a point of view on the best way to get to A to Z to really have a great outcome and teach me how to do that. What format do you think works well for that today? Do you think it's still an ebook? Or are we now more video tutorial to get me through this? I love the one-two combination, actually. So I agree that video is especially short bite-sized videos that you can maybe do sequentially. But I also see people still like the almost like one is the lesson and the other is sort of the textbook that you take home and reference when you're taking the test or actually putting it to practice. So I actually like a combination. That's great. That's great. That's a, that's a good suggestion. And I think, you know, definitely getting into the weeds of helping you do your job is, is so important uh, for so many people who are trying to move it at a quick rate. My next question for you comes to personalization and, you know, there's an element I think of G2 that is very personalized. In fact, what I think G2 does better than sites like travel sites or Google itself is often I, you know, I look at these reviews and I'm like, but are they the same as me? Are they like me? Uh, and what I like about G2 personally is I can narrow it down by someone who's an enterprise versus a startup uh, and really ensure that there's context to the review. But when you think of content more holistically, what, what does it mean to be personalized today? 
Well, in the ideal world, you can, I think it really comes to learning from people you know and trust and hopefully in a way that's interactive. So again, I'm going to sound like a broken record maybe, but I think educational content and training is really what people are craving and they're hungry for more of that. I think it's why you see sites like Udacity and Coursera and even Masterclass taking off is people want to learn and have more of that sort of one-to-one connection with people that uh, know a lot about a particular topic or have expertise. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're so right. And, and we've had the Coursera CMO on here, of course. Uh, you know, so much to be learned and so much opportunity, I think, now in today's world where we are remote, where we are virtual, you know, the ability to tune in from anywhere, if we can create that content and make it accessible. To your point, there's there's great opportunity to be a leader in any space you may be in and a lot of great platforms to help spread that with. My last question for you, maybe the hardest one is the day, uh, and that is finding balance. How do you find balance? You already hit on this. You were given this opportunity to join G2 when you had the temptation, probably the cutest thing in your life at home. Uh, How do you find that balance when you make commitments at work, but you want to find balance at home? Well, I would say I don't always hit it and I don't always have balance. So that's the first thing. I admire the people who say they have it. It's a journey for me. I think the biggest thing for me is making sure I set goals for all elements of my life. And sometimes my personal ones are far more ambitious than my professional ones. And that I have boundaries to help me hopefully achieve them. And so I think if you can have the right goals across all areas of your life and put in place boundaries to make sure you're balancing those, it helps. But if anyone has like a, magic formula, please let me know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're going to get hit up with uh, quite a few LinkedIn notes, I'm sure, of of what to do next. Uh, Probably a good sales rep out there is going to pick up on this. Uh, Amanda, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story, your journey. If you're listening to Amanda's for the first time, note that every CMO's path is a little bit different. You're probably charting your own, and I hope one day you'll be on this podcast to share it and share that perspective. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in and big thanks to Amanda. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.